Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, and it is such a treat to be here today. Today, we have with us again, Marissa Peer. Marissa, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good, really good. Nice to be uh, contacting you here from Down Under, and uh, you were just here recently, which is such a treat for all of us, so thank you so much for coming down to Melbourne. How was your trip here? It was a big treat for me as well. I mean, we were in Melbourne. It was beautiful. We had a great time. It was, um, it was lovely, really lovely. Yeah, it's a beautiful part of the world. And uh, for those tuning in to Marissa for the first time, uh, there is another episode that precedes this one. We've, we've had Marissa on before, so please do check that out. Um, I absolutely adore that episode, and so hence why we're having another conversation again. I feel really honored to have you here. Tuning in for the first time, she's a best-selling author, motivational speaker, a leading celebrity therapist, and a pioneering hypnotherapist trainer. She began studying to become a child psychologist, but later built her career by earning further qualifications at the, at, um, as, a hypno, as a hypnosis training institute of Los Angeles and the Pritkin Longevity Center. She's a best-selling author. She's got five, inc- uh, four incredible, success, incredibly successful books. Five. There we go. See, that's the that's the the frequency coming through, and they're all on different topics. This is a thing that like really like sets for me, in my humble opinion, Marissa apart. Is they're all on different topics. We're talking about longevity. We're talking about all these different things, um, and you know they're they're incredible books all in their own um, in their own regards she's renowned for her therapy work she's got an astonishing list of clients some of the world's finest international superstars ceos olympic athletes and even like some royalty so she has incredible stories it's wonderful to have you here because i know we're going to learn so much through the art of storytelling which you know i'm in awe of the way that you know like just the the last time we sat down and had a chat marissa just how much um I, I, I was able to take on and I listened back to the episode and it was like, wow, like your ability to storytell and learn through that was just absolutely incredible. So thank you so much for being here again. 
You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to tune in because last time we talked a lot about affirmations and like the conversations we have with ourselves. Um, and I wanted to take that a little bit deeper and sort of see like, you know, the conversation around beliefs um, and where we, where we kind of land with that. And, you know, there's this, uh, I think I wanted to start in a really easy place was how did you first come to believe that you were a healer? Sorry, that's my alarm. Just let to stop. Um, you know, I didn't actually know I was a healer. I was always a therapist and I was fascinated by being a therapist and I loved it. And to this day, I absolutely love it. But I began to see working with clients that they set immense store by what I could do and they'd say things like, well, you know, you did this, you said that. And I do a lot of work in RTT where you touch someone's third eye and you kind of rock their head and you say to them, well, I say to them, you're erasing, eliminating, and erasing. Sorry, this will end soon. I'll start that bit again. So RTT is a, is a process where you first you're like a detective and you're gathering information, trying to work out what went wrong. Why does someone turn up in your office saying, I have panic attacks or I can't do confrontation. I, I don't like being looked at. Uh, you know, I can't swallow or I pull out my eyelashes or whatever it is they have. I know straight away that they were not born with that. Mm. You can't even be born biting your nails. They haven't got any teeth for the first year. So that's just not possible. They just haven't got the coordination to pick their skin and, and they don't even know what fear is. Hence, you have to strap them in and have stargazer because they're little kamikaze pilots. So the detective part goes back and finds out why. Why did you get this belief that you're unlovable? And then you become rather like a dentist and you extract all those toxic thoughts which cause a lot of toxic damage in the body and then you become like an amazing coder and you wire in and fire in new beliefs but the extracting bit so once I've taken someone back to why for instance I was working with someone in Australia who had narcolepsy really badly too and it turned out that when she was a kid, she found out her dad was gay and he was leaving them for a man. And then her sister got murdered, not at the same time, many years apart. Wow. And then she formed a belief, I can't cope with reality. Mm. And she became narcolepsy, had narcolepsy. Then I worked with another client who said that when she was a little kid, her mom used to say, she's the only one who's a good sleeper. The others are nightmares. These are devil children. But this one, she's a good sleeper. And her mother would talk about how her brother almost drove her crazy by being up all night, but she was so good because she slept all the time. And as a baby, that becomes her identity. Oh, I'm good because I'm always asleep. And so she slept more. So both those individual reactions to becoming narcoleptic, the next thing is to erase the belief. And I usually put my hands on someone's forehead like that and I rock their head and I say, you're erasing, eradicating, eliminating, shattering smashing that belief that belief is gone it's something used to have but it cannot will not and does not affect you ever again and as I remove the old belief I then start to code in a new one and that's very important because a lot of therapists try to put in a new belief which is like trying to plant flowers in your garden when it's full of weeds you've got to take the old stuff out and put the new stuff in and clients will say you know when you touch I felt heat or I, I felt this old stuff leaving me. I felt this tremendous release. I felt it all going. 
And all my clients would say that. And you know, we're all healers. And um, healing is really self-healing. But the client believed that I was doing something to them, mm. physically removing stuff. So I began to do that more and say it's all erased, it's eradicated. And now when I'm working online, I might hypnotize 500 people. I know from the AFS last year, I did a healing vortex online. And people write in and go, I don't know what you did to me, but I had Bell's palsy by the end if I didn't have her. I had foot arches that collapsed, and by the end they went back up again. So it's a wonderful thing that the mind can create miracles in the body, but your mind is very much a healing device. It knows what to do. Hmm. And if you know how to dialogue with your mind, you say to it, listen, mind, your job is to do wellness, not illness, wellness. And you command your mind to be well. So I found out I was a healer by mistake. And it took me a long time to have a healer because I was in, I'm a therapist. And a lot of therapists don't want to say they're healers or they have this belief. That's woo-woo. Mm -hmm. And this is science and they shouldn't collide. I think they should collide. I think woo-woo and science colliding is amazing. And a lot of work I do in therapy, which is going back and finding the little kid that's shut in the bedroom that thinks they're not lovable or believes that if my own mum doesn't love me, who will ever love me? And then you take that child and you move it to your current world, go, look, you are lovable. It's actually based on shamanic rituals. The inner child work is based on shamanic work, and that's very healing. And so now I've gone from saying, am I really a healer, to saying, yeah, RTT is amazing. It covers NLP, CBT, EFT, but it also covers a lot of shamanic rituals and inner child work. And, and people love it. And I love it. Yeah, that's amazing. And so one thing that you were sharing in that, and which really um, is something that I've been sitting a lot with, and I really just want to go there, is you mentioned that healing is self-healing. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, which, you know, again and again, like you've got to be in a place where you're ready to receive um, and you've got to be in a place to, yeah, like, you know, that we, we all know about the placebo effect to a certain degree as well. So there's that whole conversation around, you know, like a lot of the work that I'm doing, I'm doing on myself, but then also the, the, the dance between you're holding space for that person to have the shift that they're looking for. So they're coming to you with that awareness and that shift. Um there's a there's almost like a a, a slight um, I don't want to say dichotomy between the two, um, but there's an interesting space there, is it not? Because do you ever find that you know someone is coming through and then they install a new belief, but the new belief doesn't get installed and they have to do the work again? Or hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
I mean, RTT is immensely powerful. I think it's the best therapy model in the world. And I agree. Show <laughs> Last year, we won all of these awards, like one after another, so many awards. But RTT, I mean, that's extraordinary. One of them's fallen down, but lift that one up. It's <laughs> won so many awards. Look at all of these. Yeah. Because people are voting for it. Oh, I've gone the wrong way. I'm not very techy. Hold on, that way. People vote for it as the best therapy ever. And so most people know. I mean, obviously, if someone's anorexic or bulimic or has got intense bipolar, we would say, look, we're going to have three sessions with you. But a lot of you will come in and have one session. If I'm working with anorexic or bulimic, I always ask them to commit to three sessions. But I never say to clients, every Wednesday at 4 o'clock for five years, bring me your pain. And you and I will discuss it because I think it's such a crazy model. No dentist mm. says, hey, can you come in every Wednesday to talk about your wisdom tooth? No doctor says, can you <laughs> your heart problems? <clears throat> no person in a migraine clinic or even as soon as they, every week we're going to talk about it. They say, well, you're in pain. I need to fix you. And I was always a little surprised it was that you're in pain. We want to discuss it. When people come to me with extreme migraine, I think, well, let's fix it and then discuss it. Let's get rid of the pain first because who wants to be in pain? And we can discuss it afterwards. If I have a client that's really in a lot of pain, I reverse the treatment and I get rid of the pain first and then work on finding out why they have it. I had a girl with terrible Crohn's disease who was in so much pain. And it turned out when she was 19, she had an affair with her best friend's husband and then ran away with him and then married him. And then he did the same thing to her. And she was so consumed with guilt by the hurt she caused that she was hurting herself because the mind will play a role. I'm a judge, I'm a juror, I'm a jailer. We used to wear hair shirts and beat ourselves in the street and go to confession to find a penance for our sins, and now we don't do that, which is a good thing. Mm. But we still punish ourselves. You know, I did something bad when I was eight. One of my clients, um, she couldn't speak properly. She could only speak in a very low whisper. When I worked with her, she said that when she was 11, she saw her mum kissing a barman in the pub that the father owned. She ran upstairs and told Daddy, and he promptly left the mother. They got divorced. They lost the home because it came with a bar. He always said, you and your big mouth. The mother said, if only you'd oh, kept no. quiet. Mm. And then she kept quiet. She couldn't speak except in a very hoarse whisper. But that was the first event. Then we went to another event where her father had banned her from having a boyfriend. And she came in and he said, have you been seeing that boy? And she couldn't lie. She said, yes. And he went outside and he beat him. And that was this. And then the third event, she was working for a big show. Um, let's say the equivalent of HBO or Fox, we don't have to name names. Mm. She was a director on this program, on this movie, and everybody, she found people were fiddling money, so she reported it, and they went, but we're, and then she got fired. They said, we're all in on it. And then she said, me and my big mouth, whenever I open my mouth, I cause problems. And then the mind said, well, you know what? Why don't you just stop opening your mouth? And she became unable to speak. And mm. it's so fascinating. We form beliefs when we're very young and think, oh, I've messed this up or I'm going to fail this or 
I got rejected and it was so painful and the mind goes, well, why don't I give you panic attacks or make you obese or, and then no one's going to reject you anymore. So our illnesses have a role, a function, a purpose and indeed an intention. And when you can take a client back and go, look, when you're a child and children really don't have logic, they just have feeling. You made decisions about yourself. I'm not enough. I'm not lovable. I'm going to have to work really hard and be smart to get my mother's attention. Whoever comes into my life to love me will always leave. And once you've made that, it's a fleeting thought, but it becomes a fixed belief. And when you show the client, look, can you see that when you were five, your mother said you're a good sleeper and you're five around that, well, that's good. I make people happy if I sleep all the time. You, then you've got narcolepsy. They go, yeah, I can. And then you can remove it because I'm a great believer that understanding is power. And it's very hard to fix what you don't understand. When a client go, you know what? I realize I'm always late because every time I was late, I got attention of my parents. Every time I was sick. My mother, who was so busy, would stay home and mop my brow. When I got those food allergies, they were taking me to all these specialists. And um, when I was at AFEST, this guy came up and said, hey, could you help me? I've got all this food. I can't even eat tomatoes or avocados or apples. There's so many allergies. And for him, it turned out that when he was a little kid, he was Indian, by the way, hmm. lived with his mother and his grandmother and his auntie, no men around. And the father didn't visit a lot but he would come and see him. And he was saying, I, I really want to be like my dad. And they got in the car to go to him. And the car said, dad said, wind up the window because I have all these allergies, you know, to pollen and wood and birch. And then they went to a restaurant. He said, oh, I can't eat any of that. I have allergies. By the end of that meal, the kid had the same allergies as the dad. And he went, oh, you're just like me. And it, they were very bonded. The father liked that. They connected. And he had this thing up growing up with three women. I want to be like my dad. And he acquired all the allergies, and, but also got rid of them straight away. So the healing is down to finding out why and then fixing it. I don't, I rarely heal stuff without finding out what's caused it first. Sometimes I do. Yeah, that's, um, that's almost segues into exactly what I was going to ask you next, which is um, relationships, you know, and this was a conversation that, you know, stemmed from the last time we were talking, you know, it was very empowering about taking charge for your own belief system, your own mindset, so that you can actually self-affirm and then go from there to actually create the shift from the inside out that you need. And it's been extremely profound since the last time we spoke, which is about 18 months ago. Yeah, that I'm in awe of your work. Let's just put that put it that way. Um, but one of the things that I realized, and one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was, especially for some of the listeners, some of the feedback we got was, you know, sometimes these beliefs, as you said, like we're in a dance with some of the people that we live our lives with. Just as you described, like say I'm with my father and let's say, you know, he has allergies in this example that you've got. And then in order to win that validation or have that attention or connect, just a pure and simple connection, we take on this other stuff, which is not necessarily ours. Um, how do we, you know, and, you know, that can play out quite, like in, it doesn't have to be like a young kid and an adult. It can play out, you know, over over time as well. Like say, like I'm in a relationship with my mother. She has a certain dynamic with me, and then it's like, okay, cool. Like now I'm always going to be in this pattern of of like consistently her treating me a certain way, and then that perpetuates beliefs into my system. Let's say so. 
from there, like obviously the RTT work can help you shift your your ability, your frequency, the way that you are interacting and relating to the world. Um, but then does, do we like, how do we navigate our way through relationships when there are other people in the dance that are then um, consistently operating in the same way? Or does it, do you, have you found yeah, that people shift around you as question. well? You know, you form a belief system about yourself. You make your beliefs and then your beliefs, then you go out in the world and you find people that match your beliefs. So I believe oh, all men are dishonest. They're all cheaters. They all use you. They all mess around. They're only interested in one thing. I'm going to find men that match that belief because we're wired. The universe is very odd like that. We make a belief, the belief makes us. Then we go out and find people that match our beliefs. So, you know, every man I meet dumps me. They all get bored with me. Another woman go, well, my husband would never get bored with me. And then, of course, you know, men are the same. I've met many men who said every woman I've been with has just wanted me for my money. And then I found a completely different one. And I thought, oh, I've cracked it. And then she turned out to be just the same. And I really had to work on myself because I was always going out with damaged men. And then I, when I realized why, it was such a game changer. So even without doing RTT, even here today, you need to have a look at, you know, what do I believe about myself? What do I feel about myself? I'm in front of someone. And a lot of them say, oh, I don't feel attractive enough. I don't feel good enough. I don't feel worthy enough. And then they begin this problem of, I need to earn love. I need to look amazing, be amazing. I've got to run after love, chase love, earn love, even buy love. Mm. That's a classic mistake because love is not to be run after. Or earn. My daughter just made a great T-shirt. It said, girls, the egg doesn't run after the sperm. Don't chase boys. My daughter, she's such a great artist. <laughs> <laughs> travel to the sperm it says hey guys i'm here you know you can come and find me because i'm worth finding <laughs> i love that <laughs> she's so clever she also said stop looking for your other half you're not a half and she made another one that said never make a boy treat you like an orange starburst you're a pink starburst because that's everyone's favorite but you know men too you know I, I worked with a man a little while ago who said you know I only seem to go out with women who make me feel stupid he likes deeply intellectual women but then he always felt inadequate and he said you know my mum when I was a little kid I took my drawing and said hey mum look at this and she went darling please remember you might be six I'm not I find you so boring I'm so intelligent I should never have had a child I'm too intelligent to do this parenting stuff. He says, I never forgot that. I'm like, who would ever forget that? Your mother says, you're boring. I'm too intelligent to raise you. And of course, what happens then, which is a very strange thing to understand, but it's so true. We are hardwired and super coded to recreate what we know and change the ending. So he didn't go, why don't I find a really... Or not bright girl who thinks I'm bright. His thing was, I've got to find someone just like her. And then I'm going to work to prove I'm smart. And then I've created my whole childhood. And yes, I've changed the ending. And it's like, no, don't change the ending. Change the beginning. Mm. So women will say, you know, my dad was absent and critical and diminishing and always put me down. Guess what kind of guys are like? I'm like, I don't need to guess. I know. Critical, diminished. Yeah. Why is that? I said, because when you sit in a bar and someone does that, you think, 
I just feel like I've known you my entire life. Of course you do. He's your dad in disguise. And guess what? You're not supposed to go home and take your clothes up and get into bed with daddy. That's not ever going to work for you. So then they understand, oh, it's a pattern. Recreate what I know and change the ending. And then they're able to change the beginning. And they'll often say things like, well, I did meet a nice guy, you know, but I'm not seeing him again. Why not? He's too good for me. I said, you know what you're saying? His behavior is so unfamiliar. I'm going to run back to what I know. Mm -hmm. So a nice, kind, caring, present guy, we're going to, I'm going to run back to the bad boys because my dad was a bad boy. And you say, but all you're doing is delaying the inevitable. I like people who are unavailable. I like people who are married. I like people who are difficult or wild or crazy. That's because what you're saying is I'm not worthy of real love. Mm. If I pick someone like that and it doesn't work, I always go, well, it didn't work because he was wild and crazy. He was a bad boy. It's not from home to go, it didn't work because he, he didn't love me enough. But, you know, hurt people hurt people. Damaged people have very damaged relationships. And we're all damaged, I certainly am. But there are degrees of damage. When you can go, okay, I'm a flawed person. I'm going to have an amazing relationship with another flawed person. But we deeply respect each other. And just because my dad left when I was two or my mom preferred my brother or whatever, that doesn't mean I'm not lovable. But this belief that we're not lovable it is an epidemic that makes people so unhappy. You can see it in Marilyn Monroe, you can see it in Whitney Houston, you can see it in Princess Diana. You know, I, I'm beginning to think, is that what's really going on with Meghan Markle? Because she has so much, but it's not enough. And often that need for more stems from, I don't really feel lovable enough. Mm. So you... Thank you so much for sharing that. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm totally here. Sorry, I was still listening to what you were saying. And <laughs> what I was, um, you touched on where I wanted to go with that next was children, because it's something that I'm like just tuning into like more and more children is becoming a reality and we're in these relationships. And I think you set a perfect framework there in terms of, you know, writing a new script from a beginning. Um, and I think that's really, really yeah. incredible. So do you have um, some pointers, some advice for um, those of us that are looking to establish a family, start a family, like where do you, where, how do you start writing a new script? It starts with you changing your relationship with yourself. Um, and then well, how do you, cool. yep. First of all, you need to understand that children are dependent. They understand, even when they're born, one thing. To survive on a planet, a baby must find connection while avoiding rejection. A baby doesn't go, oh, my mum's mentally ill. My dad's an alcoholic. My mum came from an abusive background. A baby just thinks, you don't love me? That's terrifying because my survival on the planet is linked to you loving me. Mm. And so all children idealize parents. They don't go, well, my mum, you know, has got some mental health problems. My mum is unhappy. My mum was given up for adoption and she doesn't know how to. They just think it's my fault. And that's the beginning of the I'm not enough. A child will cry every way they can to make their parent love them. They, they, there's only four ways they can behave, by the way. If a child doesn't feel their love just for themselves, the most effective way is to get sick because your mum may not love you, but she's putting that cream on your eczema every night, and that's going to be the very next best thing. And when children buy into that, they, they don't give it up. They become adult hypochondriacs. 
My second behavior is I'll just be brilliant. I'll be an A student or an A athlete, and then they might not love me, but they'll be proud of me. Mm. The third way is to be the carer, the kid who looks, does everything for mum so that she likes her. And the fourth way is to think, well, all those options are gone. I've got two brothers and a sister, and they're not there. So I have to be the difficult, rebellious, out-of-control kid. They often become alcoholics when they're older or, or drug users because their belief is the only way I can get attention is to act out and take the power off you. So if you're a parent and your child starts to exhibit any one of those four behaviors, there's only ever four. They can do all four. They can yep. do two or three of them. You need to look at the fact that this kid doesn't feel that they're enough. Mm. If your kid is a bully, nobody wakes up and goes, hey, my life is so great. Who could I diminish today? So behavior is all to do with I don't feel enough. I just don't feel lovable enough. And you have to be able to say to them all the time from the time they are born, I love you because you're you. And I was sitting with my little baby on my knee and my friend's little baby on her knee. And she was saying to me, nobody will ever love you like I do. You will never find anyone to love you. I said, don't ever say that to a baby. What are you telling her? Mm. I love you so much and you'll never find that love again. I mean, we say the weirdest kid things like this. I love you so much. I could eat you. I mean, <laughs> you could eat me. That's terrifying to a child. <laughs> if you don't behave, I'm going to give you away. If you don't wake up, I'm going to send you back. I wish I'd never had you. Your brother's nicer than you. So the best thing you can do as a parent is say to your kids, I love you because you are you. I love being your parent. It's a joy of my life to be your parent. That all sounds easy. You're going to have days when you scream and lose the plot. And then you have to go to the kid event and say, look, I wasn't a very good parent today. I lost it today. I was having a bad day. It was not your fault. Because it's impossible to be this lovely parent all the time, especially if you live in a world with stress and work issues and other things going on. But if you can go to your child and go, you know, today mommy lost it, today daddy was not a good enough dad, it was not your fault, it was my fault, because then they don't go into I'm not enough, oh, it was you. My little bit of because mommy, are you having your pyramid today? Because you're very cranky. Because I say, you know, darling, mommy had a period, that's not an excuse, but I was very irritable. And I'd always say, it's not you, it's me. Because I never wanted her to buy into, oh, my mum's unhappy, I'm not enough. My mum's crying, I'm not enough. My daddy is banging the table and complaining about money. It's my fault because children have to believe it's their fault because when they believe it's, it's your fault, that's too scary for them to comprehend. If your dad is crazy and you depend on her, if your mum is miserable and you depend on her, that's scary for a child to say it must be my fault gives them some leeway to make it better. I'll be better. I'll be nice, good, kind, sick. But when you can say to the child, no, it's not your fault. You didn't deserve that. I should have done better. I'm very sorry that I didn't. They, you free them from this belief that I got to earn love. I got to really shape up and be better. And so you've got to say, I love you just the way you are. I love you. You're lovable. And all your life, you're going to find people who love you because I love you, because you're lovable. So now you've removed, you must earn love. When you say to a child, I love you because you're beautiful, or I love you because you're a grade A student, what they hear is, oh, and if I wasn't, mm. you wouldn't. 
could labels limit children? I love you because you're mommy's little helper. They, they don't need to hear that. I love you because you're you. Yeah, and you can see where people that have been treated the same way through their upbringing then end up perpetuating that un, like unconsciously because it's it's just a it's just a pattern and a program from that point. Yeah. So one of the things that is um I'm I'm really enjoying in this conversation is that you know last time we we dropped in for a chat it was you know basically the words shape the reality that we experience and now it's also yeah. realizing that our words also you know there are other people who are part of our reality and having the conversations with us and that we actually can imp- impact and support others' journeys consciously if we're willing to be that conscious. Um, so one of the one of the things that has been pressing for me that I wanted to ask your opinion on was. Um, you know, just the metaphysics of collective intentions, you know, like if we have enough people sitting back to say, we are enough, we are enough, we are enough. Do you think that like, I, I personally have an opinion on it and I believe that, you know, it has the power to, to create a massive shift. Um, because apparently there's, there's so much going on in the world at the moment. Um, but it fundamentally starts with the individual and maybe that's just my belief that, you know, if we can just learn to work with ourselves, then we can shift um, what's going on for the planet as a greater, as a greater whole. Um, I think apathy is one of those things that we're not really, um, that we we're kind of inflicted by at the moment in terms of where our indifference and not taking responsibility for certain things um, has its challenge. And so in and around there, like if we all banded together to actually do the work on ourselves, do you think that collectively that would have an impact on the planet? Well, it's, it's already happening because I have so many schools who are now using the I'm Enough program. We have schools using it with bullies because many schools try to help the children who are bullied without thinking, why would any kid be a bully? Clearly they don't, they feel inadequate, you know, it's a, um, it's what we call the seesaw. Here we are, you know, here's me and here's you. But if I feel inadequate, I actually see you as being elevated. And I only have two choices. I can diminish you or elevate myself. And I don't want this to happen. I want this to happen. You know, miserable man finds a more miserable man and he feels a bit better. Someone who's inadequate, their agenda is make everyone else feel inadequate and then at least I'll feel equal. And so we have a lot of schools using the I'm Enough program that children have been bullies, as well as children who are bullied. And they'll say it's extraordinary. It's changing this whole school. We have a lot of schools who have every child make an I'm Enough little placard to go on the desk. And we have a lot of schools who are using it in assembly. Awesome. Just making such a difference. We have a lot of parents who commit to doing it around the breakfast table. Of course, the sad thing is that the parents who really need this the most are often the ones who are not tuned into it at all. However, if everyone would join the I'm Enough movement, if everyone woke up every day and said with their children, let's all say this, I'm enough, I'm significant, I matter, I'm lovable, I'm enough, I'm significant, I matter, I'm lovable. It would make a huge dent in bullying and trolling and all the things we work with on a daily basis because all of our behaviors stem from a belief, I'm not enough. I'm not lovable enough, smart enough, pretty enough, interesting enough, worthy enough. And you know, that's not true. Everyone is enough, you know. You're not your waist size or the numbers on the scales or the figures in your bank account. You're not your childhood. And once you know that you're enough, you give the whole world permission to also know it 
but you also begin to see that they're enough too. And so it sounds very simple because it is, but its powerfulness is part of its simplicity. You're coming up with a sentence, the mind, or it would, when you sound a goddess, your mind goes, really? You know, because you live in a flat with three other girls and you buy all your clothes from Target. Is that a goddess? Go, hey, I'm a rock star. I've got my rock. Which mind goes, you know you're not a rock star because you don't even have a car. And, you know, that's not a rock star. But when you say I'm enough, your mind will never argue with that because it's the truth. And even if it does, I'm not enough because I've got, you know, apparently I've got, should have um, fat hair and a small butt, and I've got a fat butt and thin hair, so I can't be enough. And then you go, no, but you are. Your butt size, your hair volume, what you're wearing has nothing to do with you knowing you're enough. And when you know you're enough, really know it, nobody can chip away at that. I mean, people will try. You know, I know as an author that, I tend to get really lovely feedback on my books, but there's occasionally someone who'll go on and write something really. I've got one now who's so convinced I'm a transvestite. He goes on all of my YouTube feeds and says, you're a man who's become a woman and therefore you shouldn't have an opinion. And then I said, listen, even if I was, what difference does that make? Are you saying that transsexuals can't have a voice? I said, you know, I'm not. I had a baby completely naturally. I know I'm not, but I can't. I'm not interested in convincing you, but... This is a hate crime that you're doing because you're saying anyone who's not particular gender can't have an opinion, and that's that's really offensive to lots of other people. But I don't need to change him because I know a that I'm not transgender. But even if I was, so what? But I also know that I'm enough, and so it's such a lovely feeling. It arms you with an ability to not let rejection in. You know, we're all going to find rejection, mm. but if you don't let it in, and go, well, they're having a bad day this person must be deeply, deeply, deeply unhappy, mm. then feel good about yourself. And that's a wonderful thing. You know, we should all be able to feel good about ourselves. But we're so damaged by the media saying you've got to look like this, act like this, dress like this, and then you might feel enough. But then we never feel enough because it's an act. I'm enough because I'm thin, but that's really hard work. I'm enough because I'm... I look, it takes me ages to look like this. So what are you going to do if you find me on a bad day? I'm enough because I've got this job to do. What if I get fired? I'm enough because it's an act. And so, you know, even Rita Hayward said, you know, every man I meet, they go to bed with guilt and they wake up with me, they're always disappointed. Sharon Stone said the same men think I'm that woman from basic instinct, rolling around on the floor without any pants on. That's not me. I disappoint you. Elizabeth Taylor said, everyone come and see how fat I've got. And you know what? I never disappoint them anymore. And that's so sad that we live our life worrying about disappointing others. Mm. And we disappoint ourselves. But when you know you're enough, you can't do that. Mm. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing the answer to that. So the place that I, uh, I got triggered was um, you mentioned that there was, um, yeah, someone that basically, you know, is, let's say there's someone that wants to, like, that is out, going out of the way to commit hate crimes. How do you help, um, not how do you help, but in a situation where you can identify that someone needs help, um, but they're not willing to get that help. Let's say someone you can actively see that they need the support of RTT or you believe that, you know, because, you know, their life situation that RTT could help them. Do you have advice for those that are dealing with people perhaps that, you know, know they have a loved one that could benefit from the help, the therapy, the treatment, but then they're not able to get them there because they're not willing to see that there's something up? 
Sure. So, you know, you can only change yourself. We can all try to help others and look, you need help. And I'd love to help you, by the way, I found this program or that, you know, visiting com. we have tons of free material. We have free audios on wealth blocks, love blocks, health blocks, success blocks. We give them all away because that's so important. Mm. But there are things you can do. If you have someone in your office or in your school or around you that is critical, first of all, understand that critical people always have the most criticism reserved for themselves. They are simply expressing outwards their own dissatisfaction. And the way to deal with a critical person is to take them to one side and say, look, do you know that when you behave like this in the office, you're showing me and in fact the whole office that you, you don't like yourself. It's such a shame. There's help out there for you, but they won't like it. But you know what they do? They will leave you alone. They probably will still behave that way. And I work with many bullied kids and we teach them these five techniques. And the first is to say, um, I don't, I don't know what you said. Would you say that again? So imagine they go, oh, you're an idiot. Everyone hates you. You smell. Or I hate your pleasure. You go, I, I, I didn't hear any of that. Could you repeat it? They very rarely will because they know you're going to challenge them. They usually back off and go, oh, me and my big mouth. I'm having a bad day. But if they do repeat it, yeah, I just said everyone hates you and you look like an idiot. You just go, oh, you, I'm not going to let that in. Are you trying to make me feel bad about myself? They often say no. Sometimes they say yes. Well, I'm not going to let it in. And then the final thing is to say, you know what? You, you don't like yourself. You're a really unhappy person. I mean, I've had eight-year-olds have to do this. And it, it's hard for a kid. I mm. encourage them and hypnotize them and wire them to go, you don't like yourself. This is not about me. It's about you. And all bullies back off when you get that because that's the unspeakable truth. And if they know that you've worked them out, they will definitely leave you alone. And if enough people did that, they'd leave everyone alone and they might go and get some help because people who are critical and mean don't like themselves. I mean, happy people are by nature very benevolent and unhappy people not. And so we all have bad days and get snippy and mean and bitchy and cranky but if you're doing that on a regular basis you are showing everyone that you really dislike yourself and then you just have to not let that in not letting in destructive criticism will change your entire life and you can just say oh you don't like yourself what a shame there is help out there that's all you ever have to do you know, I trained a girl recently on my course who says she had this, the mother-in-law from absolute hell. Nothing she could do was ever right. She was so mean to her and diminishing, and the son would go, well, just ignore it. And one day when she finished training with me, she said to her, Barbara, there's something up. You, you seem so unhappy and resentful and bitter and cranky. And, you know, I've just done this amazing technique. And actually, to her credit, Barbara said, yes. I've never told even my son this, but I am bulimic. And every time I see you eating food and not getting fat, I, I'm so angry with you. I resent you because you are what I want to be. And how can you do that, eat normally, not get fat? And she went, oh, I could fix you. And she did. She did a session with her. Fixing <laughs> you now. The son doesn't get a look in. She is now the daughter-in-law from heaven. And she just adored this girl because she fixed her. But she had to say, what's going on? Mm. He's so bitter and cranky and hostile, something eating you, something bugging you. And if you say it in quiet, you will say, yeah, I am actually. I'm, I can't stand seeing you with my grand 
tantrum because you're a better mother than I was. I hate seeing you being madly in love and happy because no one ever loved me. And then you can go, well, that's a terrible shame, but let me help you get over that. Hmm. Wow, that's profound. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. So I um I had a question which um, doesn't segue, so <laughs> I'm just going to have to ask it. Um, and it's, you know, so let's say we've been working on ourselves for a while. Um, and I know from experience, uh, some people, they, they, they fall off the, um, there's like the shift kind of, um, falls off or let's say they, they, they certain, they notice a certain tendency coming back in. Is it okay to then just reiterate the, 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 the tools? And if sometimes if you struggle to reinstall the tools, is that just a lack of discipline or is there another method that you would recommend that, you know, in order to, let's say if I've got a practice of, you know, my affirmations or sitting down and running myself through the, like the, for example, like your confidence tapes are incredible. I swear by them. Um, and so tuning into that and say, let's say I fall off the bandwagon of consistently tuning into them and then I realize I need them again. Um, but I don't have the motivation or the energy to go to connect with them again. Do you have advice for people that need to need to approach the, the therapy again? Well, you know, we have, I know on YouTube I have one of my videos called Rules of Your Mind. I think it has like 7 million views or something like that. But when you understand your mind, you, it, you, it doesn't, you don't work, but it works for you. And here's some very interesting rules of your mind that will help you. One is the rules of your mind. You see, if you can understand your mind, your mind will work for you, won't work for it. And here's one, the mind learns by repetition. So it's absolutely worth it. No one said, you know, I went to the gym I did 600 sit-ups, where's my, where's my six-pack? You know that if you want a flat stomach or a tight bar or defined legs or arms, you need to repeat that until it's there. And then when you've got it, you still need to repeat it less to keep that those abs that you worked for. Second thing about the mind, and it is the most important one by far, is that every word you say and every thought you think is a blueprint that your mind and body work to make real. Every word you say, when you say, oh, this job is killing me, this commute makes me want to this kid is making me lose my mind, your mind's already thinking, oh no, you know, my job is to keep you alive and if the commute's killing you, the boss makes you want to die, the kid is making you go insane, I gotta make sure you don't have a job or another kid. And so if you can just understand that every word is a blueprint. So I used to say, oh, if I have to stay, I'm, I'm losing the world to live. And I thought, that's a terrible thing to say. I, stop, I might say, I'm losing the world to stay on hold for another hour. I'm losing the world to continue mm. the conversation with someone who's not listening. Mm. I've stopped saying I'm losing the world to live. This is killing me. This makes me want to die because people say these strangest, strangest expressions and mm. decide it's real. You know, this is killing me. I'm losing the will to live. I, I, I just, I'm out of bandwidth. I can't cope. I'm dying under the pressure. So pay attention to your language. The words you use shape your reality. If you don't like your reality, change your language just a little bit and say, like I chose, I'm losing the world to live, I'm losing the world to continue this conversation, I'm losing the world to continue working on this. So, and I never say this is killing me, I say this is a little challenging, a little, I would never say this is killing me, I am dying here, I'm going out of my mind, because here's the blueprint. 
And here's another rules of your mind, and it's almost the same, but it's not quite. Your mind has no choice, no choice, but it must act in a way that's absolutely consistent with how you define yourself. So when you go, well, I'm just a loser, I'm just a big fat pig, you know, I just eat like a horse. I mean, I, I eat nonstop all day long, I'm out of control, I'm a train wreck. Your mind has no choice but to act in a way that matches that definition. So change it, you know. And the changing is very simple. Don't say, what have I forgot? And say, what have I remembered? Don't go, what did I not do? Don't go, what did I do? And whatever, here's another rule. Whatever you look for, you will find. Mm. Whatever you focus on, you get more of. And, you know, I'm now teaching all of your mind in schools to have people understand that your mind is a Ferrari. It's an amazing Ferrari. It's a Maserati. It's a Lamborghini. But if you don't have any lessons in how to drive a Lamborghini, you're you're not going to drive a Lamborghini. So we're born on the planet with this amazing Ferrari-like mind and no manual. And if someone said, hey, here's a Ferrari, take out of a test, I'd put drive it into a tree, but if you have some lessons, you go, hey, I can handle a Maserati now, I've had a little bit of coaching and I know, and now it does what I want it to do. Or you can say your mind's like a horse. If you get on a horse with no idea how to ride it, it will go anywhere. But if you have a few lessons in riding a horse, that beautiful creature will go where you want it to go. And of course, horses listen to your thinking. Mm. They, they know what you're thinking, and so does your mind. So everything begins with changing your thinking. When you change your thinking, it's like I hear this expression, I'm losing my shit. I mean, that's not actually a great expression to have when you're about to go on the <laughs> bed. I'm losing my shit. <laughs> doing that. But these words go into our vocabulary. I lost my shit. I just lost my shit. I'm losing my shit. And you go, well, I don't want to be around someone who's doing that. You lose your mind. No, you're not. Just having a challenging moment. Mm. Having a challenging day because I'm kind of tired and my kid kept me up all night or, you know, I stupidly spent all night binge watching Netflix, haven't had enough sleep, but tomorrow I'll come back to normal again. Mm. So we say all these things that are so detrimental and wonder why we feel so bad. And of course, again, it's all to do with healing. In fact, something on my phone, I wonder if I can find it and show it to you because this is... um. A great healing story. Of course, I'm dependent on finding this. <laughs> anyway, it's a picture of a candy called Lifesavers. And when I was in the UK ages ago, all of there was the wars on in the Balklands, and we all took um, in these nannies, these au pairs who were struggling. <laughs> and my friend's au pair was sending candy, was sending parcels of food back to her parents, what was then Yugoslavia, sending packets of soup and packets of everything. And she couldn't get through very often. It was, a, it, was, it was a country at war, but after about five weeks, she got through and her dad said, oh my God, that food was amazing. But what was so good was the medicine. We gave that medicine to the old people. And they were saying, she said, what? They said, the medicine you said. He said, that made such a difference. I didn't say. He said, no, you did, you did. No, I didn't. I must find this picture. (laughs) And she was trying to think, I didn't send medicine. I just went to a store. I don't remember sending medicine. And then he said, well, it was the medicine called saving your life. Here it is. And this is what she sent them. 
The lifesavers. <laughs> they didn't speak English. They read this and went, lifesavers? These are these guppy vitamins that save your life. And he said, can we have more of those saving your life medicine? And that's healing. Incredible. They all believed they were taking life-saving medicine. Mm. They eat it out. They got one a day. They gave them to the pregnant women, the old people, the children. They said it made such a difference. But that's healing in action. If you believe something, the, the pharmaceutical compounds of a drug have less of an effect on you than what you believe that drug is. It's why people who drink non-alcoholic beers say, I'm, I'm drunk, I'm high. It, it's the belief, what you believe about a vitamin I have more effect on you than the vitamin or, or the drug. And so I thought that was such a great story since we're talking about healing. Yeah, that's amazing. That pretty much that, that is a great little metaphor to explain exactly how our beliefs interact with our healings. That's incredible. And uh, it's quite a funny one too. <laughs> it's a little life savings. <laughs> um, so I think that um, that's yeah, that, that really hits home a couple of things, you know, like um, especially the language, like I've, I've noticed in myself as well, since the last time we chatted, I really took on the importance of words. And um, one of the things that really has, you know, just one of the key, key things that I say to myself now is like, I'm, I, I don't have hard days, you know, I have character building days. Yeah. So when I'm having a hard day, it's not really a hard day. It's, it's like, oh, today's, today's been a character building day. Um, and then I, I feel good about that because it's like, wow, I'm actually growing as an individual because of, you know, some of the challenges that I'm interfacing with. And, um, even like sleep, you know, like sometimes, you know, uh, I've, I've did some research after we chatted and, uh, they've shown that if you actually tell yourself you've had enough sleep, you actually operate as if you have had enough sleep. Yeah. And they, they found that when they were really people in these pods to stay in with no, no, no watches and no cameras, that if you don't know how much sleep you've had, you sleep better. And the worst thing you do is have an alarm clock. Go, oh, my God, look, it's 2 a.m. I'm awake now. It's through. I never have a clock by my bed because I don't want to do that. But that sounds like if you think you've had enough sleep, you'll function better. If you think the food you're eating is full of nourishment, you'll function better. It's like when you say to a kid, let mommy kiss that better. They, they believe that you're physically kissing them better. Mm. And they believe they're becoming good. Let mommy take that pain and throw it away. And um, it, it's an amazing thing you can do. When my little girl was little, I used to do a lot of healing. She goes, mommy, I don't want healing. I just want to have cowpaw like my friends. I, I want to have medicine like my friends. So I would give a completely fake medicine. Go, well, here it is. And she always believed that was making her better. But, you know, that was so interesting. All her friends, in England, the, the baby's medicine from cowpaw on this very sticky, sugary syrup you give a kid if they've got a fever or a cold. But I would just give her something else and go, yeah, that, that's cowpaw. And she had no idea that it wasn't. Would always believe it was working. So there's nothing wrong with taking meds, by the way, if you are really unwell and in pain. But if you believe, even if you take a med, if you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to take this one time, it's going to heal me amazingly, that has the same effect. And there's new studies that say if you take a pill and sniff lavender oil and take a pill and sniff lavender oil, eventually you don't have to take the pill, you just sniff the lavender oil and your body does exactly what the drug is doing because it's learned to link the drug with the oil. So there's so many ways you can make yourself feel better because because when you take too many meds, if you take pain meds for a headache, your liver becomes so congested that it 
creates a headache. So that's a really vicious circle. But rubbing peppermint oil or lavender oil on your head can be even more effective. I love that. So Marissa, just tying out, because I'm conscious of our time as well. For those that, you know, we, for those of us like myself, yourself, we're definitely driven to living a better life um, because, you know, life is this amazing gift that was bestowed upon us. Um, And I think I sort of asked this question earlier, but perhaps if there's, um, for those that of us that don't feel like life is a gift or are are challenged by life, um, you know, and perhaps, you know, not in the best state of mental health. Um, what's the best way to to bring someone like that to therapy, or bring us like for that person that's tuning in and perhaps not looking to, yeah, help themselves? We have amazing therapists, I and mean, we've trained four thousand therapists all over the world. All over in the our world, yeah. And just go to www.rtt.com. You can find someone in your area. Many of our new graduates will who have nothing or very limited um, fees because they're getting feedback, they're building up their own website. And some of them are just so excited that they'll take on anything, most of them. So you can always find a great therapist in your area by going to rtt.com. If you want to train with us and do what I do, and it's a very specific formula that's incredibly effective, hence winning all those awards, go to rtt.com. If you want some free products, and we have so many, and they're really happy, like the confidence recording that you love, go to marissapeer.com. We also have a product called I'm Enough. So you have to go then to I'mEnough.com. We have this program of about eight to nine modules, and they're all so different. And that's also won many, many awards. It even won an award for the best pharmaceutical I can't even say this word now, pharmacological product. Well, it's not, it isn't. And they said, no, but it's so effective at ending depression that we gave you the award anyway. So go to um, imenough.com, marissafear.com, or rtt.com. One of those sites will have something just for you. And some people don't want therapy. Many people do. But the I'm Enough product is like therapy for your soul. Mm. It has a 14-day money-back guarantee. So you don't like it, we'll give you all your money back. We don't mind. I mean, it's a bestseller. So we're happy to refund people who don't like it. But most people say, wow. Mm. I I had someone who said to me, you know, I was looking at my balcony, just working out. If I jumped, would I actually die? Because that's what I wanted. And I got your person like, I couldn't believe that in a week I was a different person. And, you know, we get emails like that every week. When I was in um, with Mind Valley in Croatia just last summer, this girl came up and said, can you have lunch? And I said, no, I'm really busy. She said, no, it's really important. I'm like, oh, okay. And then she said, you know, I was going to kill myself. I'm only 17. I was at school, but I found you on YouTube. No, she did not kill myself. I got the whole school into the I'm Enough movement. So I love that. That's why we do it because it's just amazing. Mm, it truly is. It truly is. Yeah. Marissa, I want to thank you so much for your time, your energy, and as always, not just your time and energy here today, which I am grateful for, but also just the amount of work that's gone into, like every time I sit down with you, I'm just in awe of, you know, just the efficacy which with you can share, just the depth of the content that you do share with us. And it's just, it always makes so much sense, like all these nebulous topics about the mind and our relationship with our life and the world that we live in, um, just so poignantly wrapped into these stories that are completely digestible, completely understandable, and it makes it so easy to, to take action on. So thank you so much for being here.
so welcome. And always make it simple. Therapy shouldn't be complicated. Healing should be simple. Einstein said, simplify. My mission was to simplify therapy. And it's such an easy thing to do. I love that. Thank you so you're much. Enough. Yeah. If you believe you're enough, you're simplifying therapy because that's what's that's the core of what's wrong with everyone in the West where they don't feel they're enough. So if you fix that, you fix all the um, issues that come attached to it. Mm. Yep. And I the the previous episode we had really dove into that and I really like that was such a massive takeaway and it's such a gorgeous episode and I'm thrilled to share with this episode with you today as well because that was shifting our beliefs in ourselves and today I think we've learned a lot about or I've learned a lot about the beliefs and how my beliefs are impacting other people's beliefs around me and the the dichotomy the the dance between the two um, and then also the rules for my mind which you which you shared as well that was really profound the repetition the blueprinting our relationship with our own identity and um, our attention and attracting things and that was what you look for you will find yeah and there's a whole there's a whole um, video of that on YouTube but also if you go to my Instagram I'm I've got two I've got Mystery Therapy and I'm Enough if you go to I'm Enough and people send in every week how they've written it is it on their mirror like I've got these bracelets that's I'm Enough um, mm. we send people every month or every week we give someone a free book or a free program so if you if you're just, just go to I'm Enough on Instagram and send us in how you've written it on your mirror and lipstick, where it is in your life, and you could win the whole program. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> That's awesome. I've actually got it written on my mirror at home as well for those yeah. that, yeah, and people that come over for the Mind Valley events to my place afterwards. Um, yeah, they're always like, oh, it's actually written on your mirror. And I was like, why would it not be? Like, it is so good. It is so good. There is, you should put I'm enough in your life. I have it printed on my pillow. I have a sleep mask that says yeah. it every, every month. I find another way to add I'm enough into my life. I have it written on sand. I have it all over my house. And we should all do that. Because if you read it, write it, see it, say it, if you put it into your passwords in a secure format and you have to type it out every day, that will change your entire life. Yeah. Thank you so much, Marissa. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely to see you. Hey, Tribe. Thanks for tuning in to another fun, enlightening episode of the Inspired Evolution. I've been loving all the feedback and personal stories of love, uh, health and growth. Your feedback and stories are incredibly welcome. The easiest way to connect with me is via my website, which is www.amrit-sandu.com. You can leave me a message or a comment. It's one of my highest values to connect, so I love to connect and love to hear from you. You can also find me on Facebook, Amrit Sandu. And if the content has been resonating with you, you can help the Inspired Evolution out in a big way by liking the YouTube channel, subscribing to the Inspired Evolution, or the Facebook page, like that please, at the Inspired Evolution, or by leaving a review on iTunes if you're on an Apple device. And also, if the Inspired Evolution episodes are inspiring an evolution within you, or you can feel the inspiration is valuable for your team to evolve to the next level, you can head on over to www.amrit-sandu.com to see how the Inspired Evolution can help you and your team thrive. Much love, tribe. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 